Judge, you can take your, take your beautiful seats, as they say. <laughs> you know why this is so important, guys? Why it's so important to have encounters with a living God, especially when everything seems to be falling apart all around. It is absolutely essential because we live in a world that is desperately looking for a covert in the midst of a storm, meaning a, a hiding place. Show me where I can go in the middle of this raging storm that I call life. And I need a place of peace. I need a, not, and, and you know a place is not a location that people go to. That place is you and that place is me. When Jesus said a city set on a hill cannot be hid, he wasn't talking about a geographic location. He was saying the people of God, wherever somebody can find a people of God, now you have access to peace that goes beyond understanding. Now you have access to somebody who has something you don't. Remember the other day when the power went out? I went and uh, got a generator, hooked up my furnace to it, so we had a warm house. We had a place that people could come to now. We turned on the lights at the church here, this building, we opened it up to whoever wanted to. There was a place to go to get away from the cold. That's our life. But if we don't learn how to do this, and, and I'm all, I love being around this worship team. Stephanie is just such a wonderful host of the presence of Jesus. And I love what we have when we gather together like this. I love what happens when there, there's something special about the people of God being together in one place, right? I know I love it. I get recharged as much as whatever I pour out on a Sunday, gathered with the likes of you. I get recharged and refreshed and encouraged by your faith and your faithfulness. I get encouraged by the testimonies, by the life that you can see. I mean, the, the, the fruit of all walking with Jesus. I get as encouraged as anyone. And, and I'm telling you that right now is a time that people are looking. They're looking. They're looking for a place to find the answer to a question they didn't even know how to ask. It's a question of the heart. It's, it's so deeply woven into every human being that they don't even know what to say. I don't even know what I'm looking for. Or I used to say, I gotta go and find myself. Like what kind of, what's well, a weird thing to say? I gotta go find myself. Where are you gonna find it? Where'd you lose it? How do you even know where to look? I gotta go find myself. No, what I gotta do is hold still long enough for him to find me in this place. So Isaiah 60 is just this beautiful scripture. I'm jumping around on you, Megan. Just to make sure you're on your toes and you don't get bored. Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come. You hear the tense? We're not waiting for the Lord to come and do something. His light has come. You guys okay? His light has come. This 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, tag, you're it. You are the light of the world, right? We're not waiting for some outpouring of the Spirit. He poured it out 2,000 years ago, and, and he didn't leave. It turns out, Holy Spirit actually likes hanging around God's people. He's not ashamed of us. He's not embarrassed any more than the Father. You know, we got this weird thing we think of with the Godhead, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I think we've really gone after the Father's heart lately, which is wonderful. It's so good to know that the Father is like the Father in the prodigal son story and that he's got both sons in his heart and he desires them to live in his house. It's a beautiful thing. We all know and love Jesus. But we got this thing about the Holy Spirit 
And I'm guilty of sometimes overemphasizing. He's like a dove, you know, he's very particular about where he lands. But I hope you've never heard communicated that Holy Spirit's ashamed of us because he is the fullness of the Father and the Son altogether. They are all the same, right? Holy Spirit's not like the, the middle school, you know, I gotta go now. You guys are like, this isn't, I can't hang with you. He's not like that. He absolutely loves being around anybody who's a host for Christ in you, the hope of glory. Rise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Even if you don't feel it. You know, the other day when that storm came through, it was pretty dark outside, wasn't it? But the sun was up. The sun was up. Can't see it. There are some times, like the song says, even when we can't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. He never stops working so we can remain in his rest. That's a beautiful thing. For God, work is fun. You know, he's like always doing stuff. He is just energy personified. For him, that like the, it's like the sun shining. This is what I was made for. I love shining, I love doing it. And that same spirit's on the inside of us. Behold, darkness will cover the earth. There might be deep darkness over the peoples, but, but this is where you gotta watch your butt, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. So this is when we go, when in a dark time, we have these encounters with Jesus, we get refilled with his love, refilled with his presence, and then we go out there and now, Christ in us, the hope of glory, becomes Christ outside of us, the manifestation of glory. That people come and they see something. You've got something I am missing right now. You've got a love that goes beyond uh, what, what somebody's worthy of. You've got a faithfulness, an endurance, and a perseverance. You have a peace that I just don't get, and you're always so stinking happy. How could you be happy at a time? I've had people get mad at me business you've got being happy right now I, said, I don't know I just maybe maybe I'm sitting with the guy who saw the end already and I know that you know these songs I love these songs so we're talking about the return of the Lord I can taste it like it's happened already sometimes you if you ever like when, when you sing it especially it's something about putting music to the words that we know that our soul's deepest longing is that day when we get to see him face to face every hymn you know the format for the ancient hymns? The, the final verse for the best ones is always about the return of the Lord. There is something that, that is the living hope that we have because of the resurrection of the dead. This living hope is that yes, there is a return and there is a day. There is a day when it's not gonna be by faith anymore. It's gonna be reality. We get to live in it and we're not working toward anything. We get to just enjoy the fruits of our labor hopefully with more and more of the family of God every day. So what happens when the glory of the Lord has risen upon us, like the sun rises in the sky, nations will come to your light. They'll come. There is gonna be such a brightness and such a visible demonstration. That's a safe place right there. That is somebody who is in touch with the thing that I don't even know what it is, but I know I need something of what you got. And one guy that I led to the Lord back in Boston, he said, I just need a hit of whatever he's got. He was in drugs, you know. I just need a hit of that. <laughs> That's, right? Kings will come to the brightness of your rising. Everybody's gonna take notice. 
No matter what station of life we found ourselves in, there is something in us that's pouring out of us that draws people, not to us, but to Christ in us. Lift up your eyes and behold all around you and see, I love this line, they all gather together, they come to you. Your sons will come from afar and your daughters will be carried in your arms. They all gather together, they come to you. That is our ministry. That is why we exist. It's why Jesus has not come back yet. It, it could be today. Stephanie kept saying that this morning. And, you know, sometimes that could ring for a lot of different reasons. Mostly it's because I just can't wait to see his face. I can't wait to just live in paradise. But then some days it's like, I know what I got to do tomorrow, and today will be a really good day. I got that confrontation that I got to have or that, you know, that thing that's just falling apart and we need the wisdom of God to sort it out. So today would be a really good day, Jesus, just saying. But he hasn't come back yet. You know why? Because the fullness hasn't been gathered in yet. There are still more to be gathered back home. And so there's this like divine tension, right, in our hearts all the time. Oh, I desire to be absent and to be with Christ. I can't wait to be face to face. I can't wait to get out of this body and into a resurrected body like Jesus had, where he's like walking through walls, you know, and, and he's in five places in an hour all around, and, and he's not subject to the limitations of, of things, and it doesn't get fat and old and sick. That's going to be an awesome day. <laughs> But there's this tension of I long for that, and at the same time, I don't want anybody left out when that door closes. I don't want people on the outside when the wedding feast begins, like in the parables Jesus told, what a harrowing moment that'll be. I don't want anybody I love to be on the outside of that door banging on it, wishing that they could come in. So there's this glorious tension in it. So we remain encouraged, we remain hopeful, we remain in the love of Christ, and we remain steadfast and immovable, reaching out toward those who are walking all around us. So when Jesus was speaking to his disciples after talking with the woman at the well in Samaria, this was the beginning of the, the first most successful harvest, actually, that Jesus had in his earthly ministry with Samaritans. I love God in the way he does things like that because you would think, man, he came for the Jews, but no, the Samaritans, those, those off-scouring of all things that the Jews thought, so the Jews thought anyway, that they were the first ones to come leaping in on the kingdom. And he said to them, you know, you say, what, four more months and then it'll be harvest, but I say to you, lift up your eyes and behold, look at the fields, for they are white for harvest. Look at the fields. And I feel sometimes this is the same when we get up the, the word. I think the title I put on this was lift up your eyes or something like that. Oh, what do you see? Thank you, Megan. I never remember titles. Patty gets a title and then fills in the message. I get a message. I'm like, I don't know what to call that. <laughs> lift up your eyes. What do you see? That's a, that's a sincere question. When you look around at those that are outside the family right now, they're still prodigals feeding pigs or they're still older sons just working their butts off out in the field not knowing that they could come in the father's house and enjoy their life instead of just working like a slave rather than a son. Whatever it is, whatever kind of people you're surrounded by in life, when you look at them, what do you see? I feel like it's the same question that God asked Eli uh, which was the prophet Ezekiel. <laughs> I went through like five prophets' names until I came to the one who has a book in the Bible named after him, Ezekiel. He took him to the Valley of Dry Bones. You remember this moment? 
And the spirit said to him, son of man, can these bones live? And I don't think that was a rhetorical question. I think maybe Elijah, or what's his name? Ezekiel looked out at the dry bones and he was afraid to answer because he said, oh, you know, Lord, or thou knowest, Lord, in the King James, you know, Lord. And I wondered, maybe he didn't want to answer because he thought those are the bones of all the prophets who got the answer wrong. <laughs> I know, so he said, nah, you know. <laughs> I'm not gonna. But the Lord asked him a serious question. When you look at these dead, dry bones, what do you see? Because I see an army right now. But what do you see? Because you're the one who has the mouth to put words to my spirit right now. And without your mouth and without your cooperation, they're going to remain dead and dry in that ground. I believe that when we look at those that are broken and lost and destitute all around us, we're in that position as that prophet was in those days. Do you believe? What do you see when you see these fields? Do you see hopeless? Do you see stubbornness? Do you see... Um, lost cause do you see offensive do you see angry do you see I mean fill in the blank I'm not going to name anything out loud because I don't want to add fodder to it but maybe you see some of those people that you're mad at on whatever social media app you use the post mean things and, and then you're like yeah I see hopeless and please Jesus don't send me to them why do you think Jesus, of all the people that he could have told the parable of the, what we call the parable of the Good Samaritan, why do you think he chose the Samaritan to be the hero of that story? <laughs> I want to mess with you so bad, but I don't want to offend anybody. I don't care about offending you. I care about offending somebody who might be watching, who might meet the description of somebody who just came to mind. You think of that angry face, you know, whatever, like, uh, uh, stop, I'm not going to. <laughs> That's me shutting that part of my brain up. Think of that, that person right there and look at them, and if you can't see it now, then ask the Lord, give me your eyes. I want to see dry bones look like a living army. I want to see hopeless look hopeful. So may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you might abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're gonna share testimonies. I promised you, I gave you homework. Actually, I didn't really give you homework. I just reminded you of something the Word says that we're always supposed to do. So 1 Peter, let's go, uh, yeah, let's go right to 1 Peter 3 and 15 because I wanna get right to the testimonies now. The homework assignment that I gave you last week was a friendly reminder that this is something the Lord told us to do that we should always be ready. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. That's first. Before we go out and preach a message, how sanctified are our hearts toward Christ? When, when, when we sing a song about seeing him face to face, what's the re true response of our heart? Is it leaping for joy? Is it, oh man, let right now be that moment. I hope to see that eastern sky split right now and the Son of Man appear. Or is it... I don't know, man. I'm kind of not on good terms with him right now. I'm still offended with him about something or I've been living rather distant from him because of some things that went on in my life. What's the, because uh, you know, if we're living at a distance, the further away we are from him, the harder it is to lead somebody to him. Are we okay? Sanctify Christ as Lord, which means where you say go, I go. You say jump, I say how high. Wherever you send me, I'm there. Wherever you call me, I'm there. 
You can count on me before you even put something in. My answer is already yes before I know what you're going to request of me. You call me, I'll answer a million times. He's calling my name, oh. <laughs> that was the song of the Lord in Africa. Everywhere we went in Liberia, they were singing that song. He's calling and he's saying, whom shall I send? Like Isaiah saw. And Isaiah's immediate heart response was, here I am, send me. Nobody else around answering, I'll go. Sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts, being always being ready to make a defense. Always being ready to make a defense. Not in a defensive, angry, argumentative. That word doesn't mean I'm defending myself. But who offers a defense but a witness in a court of law? I'm offering a defense. Here is why I will testify on behalf of that Jesus right there. Whatever you think about him, whatever you've known about him, I could tell you what he's really like because I've been with him. I've been in fellowship with him. I could tell you what his heart's actually like and all those ideas. I mean, do you agree with me that if people really knew Christ, nobody would ever say no? I just, I mean, I know that they crucified him in his day, right? But I mean, somebody, that's because they didn't really know him. They were so hard in their religious belief. They were so hard in their doctrine. They believed they had God all boxed in with their laws and their teachings that they couldn't even recognize the very word made flesh in front of them, right? And so they're there and they reject him. But to really know Jesus, to know the one who is all-powerful, who had everything that heaven could afford, left heaven, came to the earth, suffered, died a horrific death, and now lives in heaven just waiting for the whole bride to be gathered for the wedding day? I just don't understand. Once the real Jesus, will the real Jesus please step forward? Once that happened for me, I was all in. I dived in face first. I'm like, oh, I don't understand what's happening right now, but we'll figure it out because that's something I know I need. And man, I've been on a 35-year journey of understanding ever since and still trying to figure it out because it just is love unfolds in ever-increasing measures and there's always something new, always something new to experience in him. Making a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that's within you. You know what that implies, right? People are asking. The glory of the Lord has risen upon us. We have been face-to-face with the glory of the Lord and so there's something exuding out of our life there's a, there's a hopefulness, there's a joy unspeakable, full of glory, there's a peace, there's a, an attentiveness. You know what's amazing? When we were in Liberia, it hit me all again, that most people, they really just want firm face-to-face attention and affirmation. Do you know, it's so, these days, there's such an easy open door with so many people who are just starved for a word of affirmation. They've been called names, ignored, rejected all their lives, and somebody who's just willing to get to them and say, tell me your story. Wow, tell me a little bit more about that. Oh, man, that's, wow, that's horrible that that happened to you. There, there are the bulk of people who have never had somebody respond to them like that. It's that easy to begin that conversation. Somebody asked me last week, so how do you go about evangelizing and I, I'm not really I'm not like like Robert Lawson y'all remember Robert Lawson that man is a walking breathing evangelist Jesus will come up in the conversation if he wants to within five minutes max and he finds a way to weave it in he's just a master at it 
And, and it's just incredible, like I have no such gift. But I can sit with somebody and ask, tell me your story and then listen really carefully. Because in everybody's story, there is a moment of opportunity. If they are ripe for harvest, there's a moment that you'll hear the brokenness and you'll hear the cry. You'll hear the, the, the spot where there's like this gap between my reality and what I know my reality should be. And we listen carefully for that. And then we minister to that. Sometimes it's a physical need. Sometimes it's emotional need. Sometimes it's just a need of, I am so confused. I've been taught so many crazy, chaotic things. I don't even know which way is up or down anymore. I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl. It is that crazy out there right now. So there is a wide open door. All we got to do is take the time, give somebody the attention like Jesus did that woman at the well, and have a conversation. Care about somebody and not treat the, those we pass on the street as, as uh, scenery in our lives, but treat them like that is a lost brother. That is a lost sister of mine. That is somebody who belongs, whose origin is in Christ, just like mine is. That is somebody whose origin is there and they're on a desperate search to get back home and they're so lost right now. They have no idea which way is back to the Father. But I found my way back, to, or the Father showed me the way back home, we should say. And I know. Account for the hope that is in you, an account. So that's what we're gonna do today, give an account. An account means a story. Tell me what happened to you. How did you go from being this to being this. I just got in, uh, I was in touch with a buddy of mine, one of my closest friends in high school. One of our high school buddies just died very, you know, very quickly, can't, very aggressive cancer. He's our age. I mean, he's 55 years old and, and he just died. So my whole friend group was in shock and we're still, you know, we've connected on Facebook. We have a little high school group that we, and, and uh, my, my close friend reached out to me. He's a Jew. And he reached out to me and he said, how are you handling this? You know, that news, I'm freaked out, you know, you know, by, and I got a chance to minister to him. And he still, to this day, can't believe I'm a pastor because he knew me in high school. And he's like, I did, come on, man, <laughs> tell me the truth. I said, no, really, I am. I'm, a, I'm one of those Christians that we used to make fun of. <laughs> I'm one of them now. <laughs> no, you're not, you can't be. And then he, he sees, uh, anyway, give an account. So, I gave you homework last week, so you came prepared today. We're gonna break bread now. I'm gonna break it, and what we're gonna do is get into groups of three. And everybody put three fingers up, because this is like an issue here. <laughs> For real. Three people. That means you and somebody on your left and somebody on your right. And everybody's got that, and that only. Only one person on your left, one person on your right. Nobody in the middle. That's four. I feel like I got to do this like the law of Moses, you know? It's like, no, the number shall be three. It shall not be two. If you have two, you add one more. Neither shalt thou go to four. Four is too many. Move one away from thine presence and have only three. <laughs> three people. I'm going to watch you. I'm going to stand up here until it is. And, and if it doesn't work out, if we're not a multiple of three in the room today, then you come and join me and we'll be a twosome. Okay, there'll be two breaking bread. Now here's the rule though. You cannot be with two people that you know. I want you to be with somebody either you don't know or you don't know very well. 
So don't be with your spouse or your friend group or your life group members, none of that. And I'm trusting you because I don't know, I don't spy on all of you. You know, I don't track you like Google. I don't, I don't know what you're up to when you're not here. So I'm trusting you. You're before the Lord. And as my friend says, liars are friars. So, all right. So a group of three, make sure that, oh, I'm, I'm coming after you now because y'all almost never listen to me. Oh, my mother has a question. <laughs> yes, mom. I'm going to tell you the bloody homework. I'm going to tell you the, the homework now. I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. You have, you're going to each take three minutes max. Time each other on this. Three minutes to share your story of how it is that you went from darkness to light. Share the story, how you were. Remember, that's the shortest part of the story. You remember that, right? This isn't three minutes of what a horrible, let me tell you all the gory detail of what a goofball you were, BC. This is just a little bit. I was like this. These were the issues in my life. Here's how I encountered Jesus, and here's what he did to change my life. You got three minutes to share your story. So that's, that was the homework, to just give that account. But you only got three minutes because we want to hear from everybody else, right? So listen carefully, and then when you wrap it up, you'll pray for each other. Okay, so let's um, let's stand to our feet. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, when he broke bread at the Last Supper, the disciples had already had three years of Jesus teaching about bread. And he said things, the Gospel of John brings most of this out. I am the bread which came down from heaven. Speaking of the manna that Israel fed on in the wilderness. What were the rules for manna? It fell on the ground. You could not store up more than one day's portion. Take what you need to eat today. Did not save it over till tomorrow. Israel, just like toddlers, some of them did it. And they had maggots the next day. So you... Give us this day our daily bread, Jesus said. This is not a once in a while operation. This is daily connecting with Jesus. We're doing it corporately today because he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we're taking the broken body of Jesus while we break the bread. It was a custom of the day, but we continue even in the West now because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. This is Jesus' body broken for us so that we could be made whole. When we are partaking of this bread, we're taking a part of this, which is the body of Christ. We are now partakers of the divine nature. Amen? This is a representative of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Because Jesus said, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you have no life within you. So this isn't like magic bread, but God's anointing is on this right now. This is not just a religious ritual. Jesus is present right now. And as we share testimony about what Jesus did, how this bread became meaningful to us, I believe he's going to visit us today. There may be some who are here today, and you feel like you are as far away as the east is from the west, from the presence of God right now. I have really good news for you. He's not as far away as you think. He's been right behind you all along. 
and all it takes is a turning of the gaze, and there he is. Surely his goodness and his mercy has been following you all the days of your life, and today you could turn around and see it and encounter it and experience it. You might be feeling today like I, am as, I'm, I know I'm in Christ. It's not like I went full prodigal or I'm backsliding. I just really need to be renewed. As you share your testimony today with your mouth, I'm believing, God, that you will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. You're going to find that just by sharing, there is power just in sharing the testimony. You don't have to lay hands and ask for a special anointing. Just proclaiming with your lips what God has done is enough to bring down heaven into our lives afresh. I'm believing God for that as you do. So what I'd like to ask you to do, there is uh, juice in the front and back and the trays. Come and grab a, a piece of bread from me here. Find a spot where you could sit with how many? Three. All right, all right. I'm going to see. Look, I went to New York City Public Schools and I could do three. Should make a triangle, not a square, not a line. I am at, yep, yep. Don't don't get smart and do a <laughs> pyramid with you know three people. All right, come and take the bread from me. Gather your group, get some juice, and when you're finished, take the bread and juice together.